Welcome to another episode of the DJ Sessions, where we feature the best DJs, producers, and electronic music industry professionals from around the world. I'm your host, Darren, and right now we're sitting, I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and on the other end, coming in, I always get these screens mixed up because I always switch them around, but we got Florian Cruz coming in from Berlin, Germany, correct? Yeah, I... I used to live in Berlin. I have like a second flat there. So okay. uh, right now I'm in Hamburg. In Hamburg, all right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How far is Hamburg from from uh, from Berlin? Oh, it's like with the train, it's one hour forty five minutes. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah. yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the virtual sessions today. Yeah, thanks um, for having me, man. Thanks for absolutely. The you know, I was going through doing some research on you before the show and checking stuff out. And, realized something I, I came to a very quick conclusion that you've been a dj and producer since you were about 16 years old yeah ha, right. have you ever had any other jobs besides that or have you always just been dj producer i mean it was always my dream like uh djing and uh, making music and stuff but of course at the very beginning i had other jobs to <laughs> to survive and to make my to uh, make money for for living um yeah i'm yeah, I don't love to say that, but I'm a bank clerk. So uh, that was the first thing I um, I did, like an apprenticeship to <clears throat> to, to to bank clerk. Yeah, the the hardest three years of my life, I think, because I did something I I'm not passionate about, which is never good. <laughs> I realized, but I um, finished it, and I think um, my parents at that time have been happy that I have like something solid in the background, you know. And I can say that uh, until today, it still helps me in like on the finance side and stuff like that, you know, um, because I'm self-employed since I'm, I think, like 20 or 21 years old. Now I'm 39. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I found that, um, you know, while I always loved working corporate jobs growing up, I've worked for a number of different companies, um, some very notable companies in the world, Apple and Nordstrom's. And that led to um, preparing me to be an entrepreneur. I found that in 2009, I left corporate America behind and said, I'm going into business for myself. And I never really looked back. And now it's been about 13 years um, that, you know, and it's tough when you go out there. I didn't walk away from any of these companies. My last job was working for Apple. I didn't walk away with like $500,000 in stock <laughs> options and I could be comfortable like you know some of these google employees are getting you know some yeah. of the amazon employees getting you know 250,000 or half a million a year in stock options after they complete their contracts already making nice six figures i didn't have that when i walked away i walked away with almost not even two pennies to rub together <laughs> so you know trying to build something up over the years um with that you know where the dj sessions is now out i can commend that and in, in, in just all the things that can happen along the way you know, um, ups and downs. And it's, it's great to hear that you're, you're still going after 21 years, basically, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, um, I'm, I'm a music producer also on the side of, uh, I do music for documentaries and uh, commercials like Kenny Larkin, for example, I think he's doing the same and some other music producers um, in the electronic music business as well. And that's something that popped up in the last five years, and especially was strong um, during Corona, when I was not able to to tour or play any shows. 
So yeah, that's also very interesting for me to dive into other directions of music, you know, and even being able to, to produce something which is orchestral or which is more cinematic. And um, yeah, getting a bit out of my comfort, uh, comfort range uh, of electronic music and do something different. That's great. If you had, if you could pick one Hollywood director to score a movie for, wow, who would okay. that be? Oh, oh, that's like, oh, that's a very, very hard question because <laughs> I'm, I'm not the biggest, um, I'm not, not the kind of guy who's going to the cinema very often. You know, I think uh -huh. the, the last time I've been to the cinema was like Star Wars three episodes before <laughs> something like <that. laughs> so i think at least like five five or six years ago um i don't i don't i actually don't know okay sorry yeah no it's all good it's it's um you know so it's a question we ask sometimes just when people talk about you know their musical career uh, yeah. maybe they started as a dj they went into producing and then they do find side work either um yeah. you know producing commercial or producing yeah scoring for film and television and and even ghost producing sometimes you know making tracks and doing that as, as a side side gig so um it's okay but you do and you did just recently start up i believe one of your passions was the 10 for the club show um, uh 10 for the club is my my podcast series that's right yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm running this since quite some time now but i've been actually a little lazy because it's called 10 tracks, 10 club tracks in just one hour mixed together, like 10 of my favorite club tracks. And during Corona, I was not really into that mood, you know? So I, I had like a little, yeah, I, I paused it for a while. And now where clubs are open again and stuff is happening again, I just restarted it. Yeah, with the second episode, which I uploaded yesterday, yeah. Yep, I you was can go, please go to my SoundCloud and have a listen. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was listening to it right yeah, before the show. Yeah, yeah. I was loving it. I think that's a, yeah, a great concept. Um, what I mean, obviously, 10 for the club. Um, can you tell our DJ Sessions viewers a little bit about the premise or the idea behind 10 for the club? I get it. Maybe yeah. just so they get it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like 10 for the club, the idea is having – or like let me start uh, on, from, from another um, – perspective so uh um i'm sometimes before my gigs i'm sometimes looking for cool club tracks and it's like really hard to find something um something new and something special or something i would really play in a club because most of the artists when they do a, a dj mix which is like available online on soundcloud or on other platforms it's um very artistic you know like special kind of tracks like also showing the artistic side but not really the the kind of stuff that they play in the club so i wanted to give my audience the chance to 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 listen to the tracks i i like playing loud in clubs and uh yeah even like from start to um maybe um later hours you know like the beginning of the last show for example is very smooth with the and me remix of who made who for example or um, a kind of music remix of solomon and then it's picking up you know and that's like the concept behind it like 10 tracks i would play in the club at the moment mm -hmm. awesome i think that's a great series and again you're right since things are opening back up i, I could see that podcast 
going pretty far. And you said you were doing that for a, a couple of years now, correct? Yeah, that's right. But, and that was episode. Uh, do, you, do you don't label the episodes? That's just your summer. Yeah, yeah I, I did, I did. And oh, now, okay. like now, restarting. I was just calling it like March edition, and this is yeah. the summer summer edition. So yeah, it's not like monthly at the moment mm -hmm. because I'm just like trying to get into it again, you know. So um, but I'm pretty sure I'm I'm going to run it like more frequently, like every single month there will be a new episode gonna promise this for maybe end of the year starting on a monthly basis yeah and do you regularly listen to any other podcasts or live streams or radio shows yeah of course yeah what, yeah, are, your, I do. what are your top three that you listen to ah it's like um they are german so i don't know it's like <laughs> uh that's like one is it's really hard because it's you don't i think you you might don't know it we'll see yeah. if facebook we'll see if facebook's um facebook's automatic closed captioning can get them <laughs> yeah okay so one one is called which is just like for uh, driving and just listening it's called uh, fest and flauschig <laughs> it's okay. a german name it's like two um it's one uh, tv guy and uh, a musician being on a chat uh, on a weekly basis, just about everything, about music, but also about like life and about what's happening in the world right now. And that's, yeah, that's just like having it in the car while doing long distances. And um, yeah, then I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest comedy fan, but there's just like uh, one guy uh, who's doing it for me in Germany? He's, his um, name is um, Klaas Häufer uh, Umlauf, and he has um, a podcast series called Baywatch, and that's very funny. So I love listening to that one. And then there's another one, the third one, um, that's like music based and not English as well. So let me get the name. It's like, um, can I get on the guest list or something? It's, um, ah, what, what is it like? Uh, I. I don't have the exact name right now, but it's also funny. It's like talking, it's like a, a talk between two DJs and about Ibiza, about like club life and about like experiences and stuff like that. So yeah, let me, let me look it up and I'm going to, I can write it right to you. It's so okay. you can share it later to your audience. Yeah. Facebook, but that's also very nice. Yeah. Facebook definitely did not get the names of the shows in the closed guy. Yeah. But you know what? What's beautiful is people can always just rewind. And listen yeah. to it. Rewind and listen to it. And yeah, yeah, if you get the name of the third one in there, we'll we'll throw it, we'll keep it in the show. Absolutely. Yeah. But you also just recently released an EP, then, correct? Yeah. Or is it is yeah. it V E N or is it then? Yeah, you can say then. It's it's an it's a Swedish island, you know. So oh, okay. um, Julian Wasserman and I we like teamed up again for for another EP. And our um, most successful EP so far was on Compact Records, like a label from Cologne, which is like one of my dream labels. Labels, and um, so yeah, and we called it uh, Orust, is another Swedish island, and then Gotland. Maybe that's the one people know. And this EP is called Veen, and there are two more tracks on it called Öland and Torsjö. Yeah, another two Swedish islands. <laughs> And how has that been received out there in online and in uh, in the clubs? Yeah, it's like I get great feedback also from amazing artists such as uh, Kölsch, for example, um, who's playing it. And then, yeah, also like 
some other DJs, Bibetta and um, who else? Um, Adam Bayer is playing it. Uh, yeah, we got like amazing support and I've been invited to Mark Romboy's um, show. Um, it's also a virtual show together with Robert Babich. And we had a chat about everything that was really great. And I think like it's a real, it's a real like club EP, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's techno and um, yeah, pretty, pretty upfront. And congratulations on getting that signing. Um, I had the pleasure of having Robert on the show not too long yeah. ago. And really? okay. um, he is yeah. such a nice guy. And yeah. when him and Mark launched their, their kind of, their online series. I was like, that's, that's great for hiring yeah, artists and, and how yeah. nice Robert is that he will literally say, if you send me your track, I'll give you my honest feedback about it. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched one of his shows where he has the tracks and he's talking about it. And he's like, yeah. and he's like this one I was watching. He's like, where's the bass? Where's the bass? Where's the low end? Yeah. You're not putting enough low end. And I mean, he was being, I wouldn't say it would call it brutally honest, but he was being yeah. honest and people need to hear that honesty. Um, I think, you know, more than they need to hear, Oh, it's good. It's great. Just uh, yeah. keep working on it, mm. you know, or keep going. I just thought that was really a, a, a really awesome thing that Robert does. And he has his, his, uh, I believe he teaches as well. Yeah. Um, and master all that. He, he does master classes and stuff. Master he has like a very, he has a very sympathetic way to tell you that something's not 100%. And if you want to reach hundred percent, you should yep. change it. And that's like, I mean, all artists are somehow like they they are very like um how you say it um sensitive with <laughs> with their music and their stuff so if somebody says yeah maybe you you could make it a little better then it's like like a world breaks down you know for them <laughs> yeah. and but i'm not the kind of guy i can i can take i can take feedback so if i ask for feedback i i don't want to hear oh everything's amazing everything's great <laughs> i want to i want to learn from it you know so you can you can tell me the truth what you think about it and i always know that this is one opinion you know from this person maybe other people think differently about it but yeah you know, I, I have a sim I have a story that I, I tell people uh, sometimes when it comes to being that person in charge and selecting yeah. who is going to go on a show and who wasn't. It was one of my first ever executive producer gigs for a show I was producing, and it was a show that featured short films by independent producers. And I talked to a local film festival, and I got boxes and boxes of all the rejects. Yeah that I was going to watch to see which ones didn't make the film. There were some really great films in there. I mean, really yeah. great films. But I, I kind of, at the moment, I was about, about 50 into about 300 films. And I started having this little kind of mini panic attack. Yeah. And, and the girl I was dating at the time, she says, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, what gives me the right to determine what is good and what is not? Yeah. And I have to let these people know sorry, your film wasn't good enough to make it in. But what yeah. gives me the right to say what is good enough and what isn't good enough? Yeah. And I sat back for a few moments. I had a sip on a beer or two. And I said, you know what? I came to the conclusion that I'm producing a, a show. What I'm responsible to do is put content on there that's going to relate to my viewers yeah. and get more viewers on the show. Yeah. 
And then because I'm also responsible to the sponsors that are paying money because they yeah. are looking to see get eyeballs on the show. Yeah. At that moment, I think that was my true executive producer moment that I said, it's about making sure good content and eyeballs are there to keep the sponsors and the dollars yeah, of course. in. Yeah, you know, you're, you're the filter in this moment, yeah? Yeah. You're filtering I, it out. Like yeah, I had never felt that before. And then why I bring this story into play is we're getting ready. Um, we have some really big stuff in the works here that we're working up to ADE this year. But right after the first of the year, we're launching the DJ Sessions label. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, it's something that is, it's a totally new a new era, a new um side of the business that I've never been in. I've never done yeah. an A&R. I've never, yeah. I mean, I get mixes and I listen to DJ mixes and I listen to this all the time, but listening to a track and deciding what's good for the brand and what isn't good for the brand and how does that rejection happen? Do we just stonewall it and we just don't reply back or we only reply yeah. back when we like something, you know? And I'm the type of person I look at my heart being like Robert's. Like I want everyone to submit. I want to let yeah. everyone know this is awesome and thank you. Almost like a personalized, we got your submission and this is awesome. And, but, you know, if we don't take the track, does that let somebody down or do we encourage, hey, it didn't work for us. Please, yeah. I would suggest submitting this out there. But what if we get yeah. something that's really, really bad? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, know? I'm in this business for a long time now and I'm, I'm still very passionate about every track I'm doing. And then I'm... Uh, of course, I have a vision where this um, track could fit. And then I'm sending it to a label. And of course, I want to hear, yeah, we sign it. It's great. But of course, still, it's like happening that, that, I, that they get rejected. And sometimes it's like a very nice way they answer. And they say, <laughs> it's great music. Uh, production is amazing. But it doesn't fit the direction of the label at the moment. I mean, that's like the, the typical kind of sentence you get <laughs> and uh but sometimes it's like um people just say no it's it's not for us or it's like not very like personal email you know very short just a few words and then you've waited for those um uh, words for three months you know <laughs> and you're just sitting on the track for three months and you, you you think you have like uh, just like this um rocket jam just amazing track which which should be out this summer and then yeah you can be sure it's not coming out this summer it's too late already because you are you are waiting for your um favorite label but that's the business it's very slow sometimes but i have a very like i i said the same in, in roberts and mark's show uh, he asked me the question so what was like the the longest waiting um when I sent out a demo and it was like six months and I sent it to John Dickweed for Bedrock. But in the end, so I had it, I can show it to you because I have it right here. Yeah. Like, um, and now I'm with the track on this beautiful special vinyl edition, you know? So that's like all worth the six months waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and Bedrock and John Dickweed is so nice. He even signed it for me and um, I got all the other stuff like CDs and T-shirts, and yeah, that's amazing, you know? Nice. And, yeah. So it was all all worth it, you know, waiting for it. And then out of nothing, I got a, a, a call saying, like, yeah, we want it. So, oh, great. Cool. It's still free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is Save Room Recordings the label that you still run right now? So I have 
I still have we still have this label because um, I we opened it together. It's Niels Nuremberg. I had like maybe you know my Deep House project Cruiser Nuremberg from the past. I think we started okay. like two thousand seven or something. And um, yeah, so and we we together in two thousand eight we founded uh, Safe Room Recordings and started releasing um, stuff. And it was just like picking up, picking up. At the end, we had a label manager and someone responsible for social media and stuff, which was great, and but also costs a lot of money every single month. And we had signed some great artists, like for for example, we had Huxley on the label. Um, we had like even Dusky um, signed in the very beginning under like a new uh, another Elias, and then um, who else? Um, Sassy, um, like from Mute Music. And yeah, like a lot of good names uh, on the early stage. And that was like a very great experience for me. We also um, were running label nights and stuff like that. So it was, it was good, good fun. But also, and that's the reason why we paused in the end. It's a lot of work. And um, if you're touring, running a label, producing music, <laughs> all that stuff, it's like really hard to, to manage everything all together. Don't scare me away from doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I say I, I should start a label again. Maybe, yeah, press play again on Safe Room Recordings or even start a new label. It definitely makes sense and it's good to put out the music because then you don't need to wait six months to get an answer, even if you get a great vinyl in the end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you can release it straight away. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of the things that we're looking to do with our label is first work with our DJ producers that are yes. in-house and release our own in-house stuff and, and yeah. get it out there, but then start opening the doors and the floodgates to saying, okay, now we're focusing on this genre as our primary genre, but we want to open up into this genre of music and start yeah. focusing on that and, and, and slowly – but surely, like maybe once a year, open up to a new genre, maybe faster than that. But at least like look at what's hot. Look what the trend is going like right now. It's I think it's if I if I remember my reports that I was reading correctly from 1001 track list, you know, Tech House is pretty prominent right yeah. now. And I think House is following up and Techno is kind of coming through. And I'm hearing that a lot of people are saying Techno is making a comeback, you know, and, yeah. and where is that going to fit? So. You know, if I'm looking at a label, I'm like, should we start looking and taking in tracks now that when techno hits and it takes over tech house or house, hmm. that now we got all these awesome tech techno tracks to, to yeah. start pushing out there. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be using a lot of guidance. I can't talk about who we're working with, but I just had a wonderful conversation with them today nice. about uh, a partnership we're looking for for ADE this year. We're we're super excited to be going to ADE for the first time this year, and all nice. the people we're going to meet there. Are you going to be there this yeah. year? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I just love this event. You know, like ADE is, is such a great uh, get together with all the business people, and it's like different to other um, conferences like Sonar, for example. In Sonar, it's you know. It's at the sea. It's chilly. You know, you can like hang out and listen to music at the beach and stuff. I love Sonar because I love Barcelona very much. One of my most favorite cities. But ADE is more about business, you know, like yeah. people talk. It's ra it's rainy. <laughs> so people can't hang out at the beach having beers in the morning. It's Thank you for like, that insight tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's rainy. And then you see, I mean, 
we are both wearing black. Everyone wears black. You you see, it's like just like you feel it's a death metal concert going on somewhere because everyone's <laughs> black and black. Yeah, but that's but that's great. I love it. I love I love ADE. I love Amsterdam. It's it's good. That but, means uh, back, good. yeah. Back to your to your to your label, just quickly. And um, I have yeah. just one thing in my head. Um, it's like. Because you're well connected, you know. You you have your 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 shows here. You have you're in touch with so many producers and DJs, and so you can just use this to 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 request tracks and also request remixes. And yeah, that's I think that's a very good idea to run a label if you have something set up like like those virtual sessions and being in touch with the whole electronic music scene. And the other idea I just had in my head while listening to you talking about everything. It's um, techno already took over in Germany. You know, it's like sometimes okay. it's different from country to country. Mm -hmm. You say tech house is on the, on the forefront at the moment in, in the US still, but you feel like techno is pushing and coming up. And here it's like it, it was tech house um, some years ago, but now like I think since three or four years already, it's like everything's techno right now. So it's like pretty, pretty heavy and hard sound also in, in, the, in the, the German clubs at the moment. So it might change again. Indie dance is also coming up a little bit and it's getting a bit more melodic. But um, yeah, banging techno is, is pretty famous right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be definitely interesting to see where the shift where where it shifts and goes. Um, you know, in the U.S., we just I think we had I think it was Beyonce and Drake came out with yeah. house albums and wow. everyone's kind of, I guess, losing their minds. I, I haven't looked at the socials on this, but I apparently saw somebody post that, Oh, Beyonce and Drake came out with house music and they helped save house music. And it's like, no, they really didn't save house music. House music has been here the whole time. They just wanted to enter into a crossover into a genre. Yeah. And now everyone's like, wow, where'd this house music come from? It's like, we've been listening yeah. to it for 40 years. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, but yeah. um, it's interesting how, how that happens. But speaking of tracks and remixes, you mentioned yeah. earlier, you just finished a, a new remix recently. Tell us a little, yeah. bit, a bit, little bit about that remix. Yeah. So I've just recently been on a festival where um, Ilke Klein, Paul Kalkbrenner, and yeah, some like big artists were, were playing. And I was backstage uh, talking to, to Joplin, who also... Um, um, played a gig there on, 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 a, on a cool stage and I really loved her, her music and I, I was working with her before and also for uh, my upcoming album so I said like this track is, was great and she just yeah sent me the the stems for 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 a remix and I just finished finished it last week and it's I think it's coming out pretty quickly it's like it's out in about a month or so so yeah I'm gonna be in the mastering studio in Berlin on Monday, and I think we're gonna finish the master like in this week. Yeah, next I week. I saw that. Was that now? Was that studio somewhere where you also produced another track from that was like one of your first bigger hits? Or have you worked at that studio before? Um, no, this no, I, I don't think so. Like, okay. um, no, no, it's it's called Black Hat Studios, and okay. it's in Berlin, and uh, Zassi is. Um, uh, running it like he's also a great artist uh, and I listened to his music since ages like even yeah before I had some music out I was already buying his records and he's he's a, such a great mastering engineer as well yeah 
using all those cool analog stuff you want to see if you sit in the studio, you know. <laughs> and you you can definitely hear it on on the mast as well. And you're in your home studio right now. Yes. Is, is that a roll? Is that a Roland V drum kit I see over your back shoulder there? Oh, it's not. A, this is an Elise's uh, drum kit because uh, this is more for me and my son. Okay. He's like, uh, I, I bought it for for us, not only for him, but for us to get into <laughs> it. You know, playing drums live. But the Roland stuff is, of course, it's like the best, I would say. And this is just like, um, it's also a good, good drum kit, you know? It's like, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's good quality for a good price, I would say. I'm, I'm also, I also like, I'm also playing the guitar lately and I started um, a year ago and I'm also doing it with my son just to have this musical education for him. And he's really into it, he loves it. But on the other side, you can't see it. It's right behind uh, my MacBook. There's my Roland section where I have like the TRA, the MX1, the TB3 and stuff. And yeah, I love to stand in this corner as well. And my, my son loves it too. So he's like getting the full thing, you know, like sometimes, especially like when we have time on Sundays, we hang out here and do some music together. I saw the video you made with those Roland toys and it took me back to, yeah. I was just talking about this in an interview right before this is that um, years ago, I, I got into video production and yeah. um, as a young kid, I played with the video camera, but it was about in 2000, I ended up purchasing the Roland MC505 and the Roland SP808. Yeah. And just, that was, I mean, I loved it. I didn't know much about music production. I just loved the fact that I think I sat in the Guitar Center store for probably about eight months playing with those two items before I actually bought them and took yeah. them home. And I think I bought the 505 first and then played around with that and then got the 808 and them together. And I saw you made that little short video. You had all three yeah. of them right there on your stand. Like you say in the corner, I'm like, yeah, I know those dials. I know those buttons. I know what those. And the funny ones, we had to use, um, what were they called? They were, they were the big discs, but they held a hundred megabytes. Yeah. 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 Um, what were they called? What were those? They weren't zipped. Were they zip discs? No, no. Um, what were um, they called? They were like, called something. I can't remember, but they were a big, flop, big flop, disc. floppy disk, floppy disk, or like. Um, but wasn't a, it was it was a floppy disk, but it held a hundred megabytes on it. Hundred megabytes. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was I, called a zip disk. Yeah. But um. But anyways, yeah, you had to put a zip disk in it and fill up, and you make your recordings on that. There, I mean, there were no external hard drives at yeah. that point, and even burning a CD was unheard of you know yeah, yeah. Sense of things like cd yeah. burners and computers and yeah i started i started using music with the um, akai um, okay yeah yeah s2000 no the, the 1000 i had later on mm. um but i had the s20 i think that was the one buster rhymes was um playing live with you know like when he was on the microphone and sometimes he he yeah he did some um he, he shoot out some samples on the on the S20, and I really wanted to have have this machine. And my brother, he used to live in my older brother used to live in New York for for some time. So when he came back, he he brought me this uh, machine from New York. And I still have it, but it's now it's like upstairs. It's I yeah I can't can't work with this one anymore. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still using my Mackie. Uh, mixer which oh. is like a, yeah 16 channel uh, uh mixer and i think i bought this one at the same time like when they 
we're producing in, in the US still. I think yep. now everything coming from China, but back then it was produced in, in the US. And I'm still still having this one um, integrated in my setup. Yeah, they're still headquartered here in the Seattle area. Ah, yeah, you're wearing the t-shirt, I see. <laughs> yeah, great. They're, they're actually yeah. one of our sponsors, so. Ah, nice, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we yeah, love their gear, great, we love what they yeah. got. Um, yeah, you know, they got great the stuff. Mackie microphones oh, yeah. and Mackie shirts, Mackie microphones, Mackie speakers. Um, if you get a chance, go to our website and check out the mobile sessions. Yeah. And uh, you'll see what we've done with our glass box mobile studio. We actually have two SR18s and two SRM15s that we put on the back of the truck. Yeah. And literally have a concert grade sound system on the back of the truck as we drive through the streets of Seattle. And um, we nice. just took it out for a pride parade. And there, I think they estimate uh, about 200,000 people out there up and down the streets of Seattle wow. uh, or somewhere around that number. And it was awesome just going down, driving really slow, just lighting up the block with this huge yeah. sound system. But yeah, nice. Mackie has always been known to make some really solid gear. Solid gear uh, we're yeah, very happy with the partnership that we have with them. Yeah. Um, speaking about being in the studio, though, how many tracks do you produce a month and how many end up being released on average? Ah, wow, this is, it differs, it really differs. For some reason, I'm, when I, I mean, when I look at my hard drive, I'm the most productive, I'm most productive in the beginning of the year, like talking about January, February, maybe it's because another year passed by and you realize, oh, okay, it's, it's like a new year, but it's like very inspiring for me, like January, February, new, new year starts and what, what, what um, yeah is going to come up this year? What's happening? Maybe so. In this time, I'm producing like three tracks a month, I would say. But now, in summer, I would say maybe one track a month. Yeah, and of course, I don't get everything signed. But I'm not the I'm I don't have so many um, started layouts on my on my hard drive. Normally, I when I start a track, I finish it. You know, like even, I mean, sometimes it happens. I start something in a loop and then I don't feel it anymore a day later. But uh, normally when I start arranging, I'm going to gonna make it. Yeah, I finalize it. And yeah, I have done 16 tracks in the last year. So I'm, I have a full album ready. And this one's coming up, um, I think, yeah, beginning of next year. So we start, we start releasing stuff now on a monthly basis i think like five single releases before the album drops yeah do you feel that you've found a familiar pattern that you like like you mentioned i produce a lot in the earlier of the year and then less so more later is it is it like a ramp up for summertime for outdoor club things or do you have a pattern I, uh, that you follow that you know like mm. I want this many releases or is it just one per month? That's the goal. You know? No, no, no. It's, it's not really a goal I have. It's more, um, I mean, music is something that's just happening. And sometimes it's not happening because you're not inspired. You're not like into the right mood. It's just not, you're sitting here for hours and with the same bass drum, the same claps, and you, you can't find a bass line. <laughs> it's just not. And then you, you find, find it, and you, you just go to the kitchen, come back with a coffee, and feel like, ah, no, it's not that. You delete. Uh, this is happening. And sometimes you're very inspired, and you are very fast in doing stuff. 
And then if it comes directly from, from the heart, I think it's easy to sign it as well because you're passionate about it. And you can, yeah, transform this energy to, to the label, hopefully. But yeah, this is something that happened with the VNEP, for example. Mm -hmm. I think Julian and I, we finished those three tracks in, I don't know, two or three weeks. Like from starting with the first sketch up to the final self-master and then sending it out to, to Mark Romboy. Um, yeah, it was a very fast process, and yeah, I, I can relate to that from a producer standpoint of producing a show where there's something I'll I'll be all into something and then just hit a roadblock. Yeah, and then I'll just like, okay, I'm just gonna stop doing this, and then maybe come back two weeks later. I sit down, and 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, yeah, fire it off, it's done. Yeah, but some for some reason you just get to that point and you just can't tip it over. For yeah, some yeah. reason, and yeah. I, I had that. Uh, I just had something that we just got approved and launched today that I had been trying to do uh, probably about, I'd say, almost three three years ago. I was looking to launch our channels to Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, and Apple TV. And mm. I started down that process, and I got it to the point of this point right here, and then it just didn't go anywhere, and I just I left it behind. I left it wayside. Two weeks ago, I wake up. I said, "You know what? I want that again." Yeah. Hired myself a dev, and today we just got approved on Roku. We're getting approved on Amazon Fire, Apple TV, yes. and yeah. and Google Play, and and we can do live streaming now there too. So yeah. I'm just like, "Yes, this is awesome!" And it's just that set it down, focus on other stuff, come back, and like I said, that was three years in the making. Yeah, yeah. and I was back here talking about thinking about doing it. Then all of a sudden, just said, "Hey." Why didn't I? Where, where am I at with that? And next thing you know, it's like boop, and it pops up. So, yeah, yeah. I, that I, I can understand or at least relate to that creative process where you might hit some. Although I don't ever hit the delete button. <laughs> if I have <laughs> something I want to do it, I never say trash that idea and don't do it. I may do it and then realize I don't want to do this, but I don't yeah. get to the point like, no, okay, no, but yeah. but I can relate to that. Um, so in the future, you got your album coming up, probably going to release yes. that in the, in the beginning of next year. Um, if you could give one production tip or insight to new producers out there, what would that be? Be very picky with your bass drum. Make sure, because <laughs> most of the people start with the bass drum just to have like a, a rhythm. And the bass drum is really like, like the heart, the heartbeat of the track. And it's really, really hard if you... If you're a bit lazy in the beginning, just say, ah, oh, yeah, this basement fits. And then later on, you feel like, ah, the track is amazing, but I think I need a new bass drum. That's like the worst scenario. So be very, yeah, picky with the bass drum, and then you're fine. That that's, my, that's my tip. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, and um, uh, going over to um, looking at things like services like Beatport, um, you recently posted something about the Beatport chart up. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? I, that's the that's the first time I ever saw that. So ah, the Beatport chart, a Beatport yeah. chart. Yeah, it's like um, that's something I do on a regular basis. I mean, um, maybe every second, every third month, I'm doing a Beatport chart. It's like a bit like my Ten for the Club series. It's like just okay. ten tracks. 10 tracks I love, and I want to share those tracks with uh, with other artists and other people. And uh, Beatport, um, the platform Beatport supports artists uh, artists doing it. So it's, um, yeah, it's like 
uh, a win-win situation for both. So they have some content on their site, and I have some um, feedback from from my fans or from from the audience, you know, who's listening to music. And maybe they say like, "Wow, it's a great collection of tracks." Yeah. And do you think the Beatport will have another serious competitor in the next few years, or do you feel they they can kind of maintain a monopoly on what's been going on? <laughs> ah wow that's like also another difficult question because everything changes so quickly right now like even like with beatport link for example you know like now you can stream tracks like with the new technology with the pioneers the djs for example and stuff playing um with um yeah wireless um internet and stuff it's yeah i mean I still, I still be safe with my USBs or my <laughs> SD cards or something, you know, just like old school. I mean, now I say old school. Back in the days, I was just uh, traveling with with vinyls, like heavy vinyls, or after that, like lots of bags full with CDs. And now it's just like a USB stick you're traveling with, or maybe two or three, and um, that's it. And now you're just thinking about like skip that, you know. Just I just travel with myself and. Uh, there should be a good internet connection in the, in the club. I can just stream it from my um, profiles, you know. Um, yeah, so it's like very interesting what's going to happen. But what I feel is um, we should never forget about like that the artists uh, artists need to earn money in the end of the day. Like not only the DJs with like high end um, DJ fees, you know, when they are big, uh, but also like the, the productive people in the studios. Maybe those who are not so visible on social media because it's not that thing, you know. There are many talented people out there doing great productions. And I think this part, at the moment, is not paid on a fair basis. That's that's my feeling. Because everyone, everyone included in the release, you know. For example, um, you have like um, someone doing the artwork, a graphic designer. He gets the normal fee, what he gets per hour, uh, which is which is a good amount. Then you have the mastering engineer. Of course, he's getting his fee for it. And then you have the artist who has like to pay for the costs, normally 50%, and then hopefully gain some money if, if the release is going well on Beatport and other platforms. But sometimes you even have a top 10 and it's not even covering the costs you get from the label, like after social media campaign, um, in-flight or fat drop or whatever, promo campaigns. And then what else, you know? And you see, wow, I had a top 10 track, but I made, in the end, I made 100 euros <laughs> with the full release because everyone else was just already earning so much money with this. And um, yeah, and there's my name on, on this uh, product and I have put in all my hot blood in, into this. And I'm the guy who's just getting just this little bit. What <clears throat> is your take on NFTs and being able to possibly say, look, we're going to work on this yeah. album together. But as it's an NFT, maybe the graphic designer gets a percentage and the artist gets yeah. and everyone gets kind of their negotiated palm percentages for that yeah. track selling. And then you sell 10,000 of those and everyone's getting a little percentages and those resell again yeah residual percentages over and over yeah. again yeah um, sounds sounds like a sounds actually like a like a fair idea mm -hmm. but it's i don't know how this and because 
you have to write everything in contract. And then in the end, you have to make sure, okay, is that really the percentage everyone gets? And it's, it's hard to control in the end as well. And also like a lot of work for the label then, right? Because the label has to like every six months <laughs> to make sure um, they're going to transfer the right amount to the right people involved. So yeah, it's yeah. You got a good tricky. point there. Wow. Yeah, it's it's tricky because they sit there with their hundreds of releases after years, and then they have each release involved five people, and have to transfer the money to all those you know, five people. I think I th correct me if I'm wrong, and please NFT yeah. people out there, do not murder me or kill me or hit me yeah. up in my DMs or cancer culture me for any of this. I think the payouts once you tie the wallets in. Yeah. It automatically disperses to the crypto wallets oh, okay. once the transfer is made. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's I don't think they have good. to manage. Yeah, okay. I don't think there's a management there. I think it's like, oh, oh this yeah, okay. they automatically tells it when you make it where yeah. to put the funds. Yeah. Um, and, uh, automatically, right? Automatically, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the Coinbase wallet. I mean, you'll get a transaction to say this sold and this gave you your percentage. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. yeah, that back end management would be a nightmare. Um, yeah. You know, but, that's um, that's that's the response I get from label uh, managers when I'm saying like, okay, we have um, a vocal artist on the track, and then we have uh, another two musicians involved, and they have a little percentage. Can we please make sure they get get it transferred as well? And then normally the label says, no, no, I just I transfer it to you, and you, then you can you, you can, can just spread it. it. <laughs> you can yeah, spread it. Exactly. Yeah, that's your job, not my job. Yeah. And and I, of, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No. Oh, I was just going to say, and speaking of technology, you know, it moves pretty fast in, in music and DJ land. NFTs are kind of the new buzzword, new thing going on. But have you looked to doing anything in virtual reality or have you been asked to do anything in VR yet? I've been, I've visited a VR session for the famous Berlin club Watergate. So they had like this virtual club. Um, going on or a test session going on during Corona, and it was um, yeah. I mean, it was fun. I was standing in the kitchen with my wife. We had a few drinks. It was just like dancing to the music the DJ played, and um, then our, the, the funny thing is, um, when you went outside, like there's like a like. A, have you been to Watergate to Berlin before? No, no. I have not. No, no. Okay. okay, it's such a great club, and they have like this outside area which is based on the Spree, which is the, the lake in Berlin, and with a very nice view on the Universal Building, which is on the other side of the river. And then, um, yeah, you can chill outside a little bit. And when, like on the virtual um, club, when you went outside, the microphone was open and you were listening to all the people talking oh, cool. who were in the same room. And then I was just... Uh, hearing um, a voice I, I knew there was a friend of mine he's uh, he's running the the mobile label it's, it's Ralph and he was uh, he was he was just testing it out at the same time it was really cool to hey ah oh, you you're here tonight as well great you know like it, it felt yeah it was just a bit scary as well but um, also a nice experience we're, we're super excited to see where VR is going. We've always, I've always been an early adopter to new technologies. Yeah. You know, uh, we started in public access television and then went to broadcast television um, and then moved into podcasting and then live streaming and obviously in bringing in social media into that play as well. But, um, you know, we're seeing virtual reality as kind of being the next website 
the next yeah. branding opportunity, yeah. the next social opportunity on many levels. It won't replace um, the in-world nightclubs, of course, but from a branding or social media or online kind of presence, um, you know, that opportunity I think is going to be huge for a lot of, of artists to jump on and own their own little yes. slice of land. I mean, virtual yeah. land is it's actually a commodity. Um, yeah. There was somebody who bought, I think they paid a hundred or $150,000 to buy the land next to the Snoop Dogg's land, you wow. know? And so you have these major artists that are going in and then the land around them will sell for money. And then, you know, the traffic that it brings in, you, you can go off and sell that land to McDonald's for $300,000, you know, and, and yeah. you know, or something like that, put, sell it to Starbucks or something and have the yeah. Starbucks next to, you know, that's going to really start happening. I've, I've been watching that unfold for a number of years, but we're super excited for that. Um, have you ever experimented in, in mixing when you're DJing, mixing audio and video at the same time? Yes. Yeah. Because, um, I was running a live project for, um, a couple of years. So, um, I, I think you see on the other side there, that's the album or like, yeah. this is just like, um, yeah, the, the project was called, uh, the ground. And I was uh, doing it with together with a very talented uh, singer. His name is Henrik Burkhardt. And yeah, we had releases on uh, Steve Buck's label, Poker Flat, for example, and on Yours, Born's Green imprint, stuff like that. And Noir Music, we, we released a lot on, on Noir's labels too. And then we started um, doing a, like a live performance. And so we got like a little sponsoring from Roland. That's also the reason why I have so many Roland machines here. And uh, that was when the Ira series came out, you know? And um, so like the whole live session was based on, on Roland Ira machines and then him on the microphone and with the keyboard. So, and on top of this, because normally when you go into a club, you can bring all your great equipment. Normally the people from the dance floor won't see it because... <laughs> Yeah, the DJ booths not made for it, you know. They, yeah. they normally have their mixes and stuff, but yeah, they just see you doing some knobs. That's it, and that's why we decided to do some visuals as well. So we created together with a um, visual artist, um, yeah, visuals to our music, mm -hmm. and yeah, we spent so so many hours with him, and also like finding a topic for each track, and then finding all those pictures we want to use and little videos and we're recording stuff on our own and then bringing everything together. It's just like such a huge workload. It's, but in the end it was worth it because, um, yeah, it looked nice. I have some good videos from, from the shows and yeah, it was great. What, was that MIDI mapped as well? Or was it, it was, just yeah, we were playing live with Ableton. And then Ableton has the opportunity to, yeah, I mean, you can have this um, video in Ableton at the right oh. at the same time. Yeah, like a, a video track. So it was just like an, an MP4, I think, on the video track. And then with a Thunderbolt cable out to, yeah, to the to, to, to the other guy who's responsible for bringing it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the video guy. Yeah, the yeah, video the guy. Video like guy. the yeah. lighting guy, the video guy, the audio yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Awesome. What's been your best business decision in favor of your career? If you can think of the best decision that you've ever made yeah. in favor of your career. 
Um, the best decision I've made is to do something I'm passionate about and to do something not because it brings um, the biggest amount of money, but uh, to do something that I can go to work each and every day and uh, to love what I'm doing. I think that's like the best decision you can you can make. I think I just saw like a video on, on Instagram from Snoop Dogg and I think he was saying exactly the same. Like, uh, don't go for the money, go for what you're passionate about and the money comes if you're, uh, yeah, with, with a success because yeah, you love what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people do go in it with the dreams of, I want to be the big name DJ. I want to be the big, big, big and, you know, and get the money. And, and that's not a realistic goal. No. Uh, I remember one of the first things I ever was told, it was the person I interviewed before I interviewed Paul Oakenfold one of my first celebrity interviews long, like 2009, it was for another series I was producing. Yeah. And I asked the person, uh, Darren Chilson, I said, Hey, is there anything, is there overnight successes in this business? And he goes, no, no. everybody that's got to be successful has been doing this for years. They put in the grind, they put in the work and you see the success now. And it looks like they're overnight sensations, but they've yeah. been doing a lot of legwork yeah, and a lot absolutely. of years of putting stuff in. And and then finally that may be it. And a lot of the people that sometimes get right to that point, they may decide that's not what I really want to do. I, yeah. I want to play. I want to be like this. I've heard a lot of, you know, people that have been in the industry for a long period of time have said, you know what I really like to do? Not chase after that. I like to yeah. have control of that's, what I want to yeah. do. Absolutely. That's a good point. That's a very, you know, good point. and say, now I get time. I can choose what gigs I want to play. I can choose what events I want to produce. And I can also choose to spend time with my family yeah. or, or take time off and, 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 and do what I want to do. And I think yeah. being an entrepreneur like that, that was one of my goals of wanting to own my own company was so that, or I should say companies <laughs> was so that I could have yeah. the freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to yeah. do it. And I was in charge. I didn't have to yeah. submit a report to this person, to submit a report to this person that went to the vice president of the division. And then they said, no, and now I'm back to square one going, well, now what do I do for this quarter? Yeah. Uh, if I don't come up with something now, I'm fired. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, that's not fun for me. Yeah. So, you know, being able to control though, your, your ideas and control your, your vision, I think is, is awesome. And it seems like you're doing very successful with that. And that's awesome. What, what I mean, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm very satisfied how it goes right now, and also um, having time for my family is something that's really important to me as well, because, yeah, I mean, you don't want, yeah, you, you, you need to spend time with your kids and your, your family. Otherwise, it's not. I, I think it's not working, <laughs> but maybe for other people it works. But um, yeah, I want to have this balance between both lives. You know, being around, doing what I love being happy with my work and then also have time for, for the kids and stuff. Mm -hmm. If you could take one non-famous person and put them in the spotlight, somebody who, who you believe is not famous, put them in the spotlight, who is not a family member and not a friend, who would that yeah. be and why? Okay, that's now with not a family member, not a friend. <laughs> uh, that's that's hard. Okay, let me let me think. It's a very good question, actually. I I got this question um, a couple of years ago on the radio station as well, and then and I named a guy, 
And but he's now like he, he became a good friend of mine, so I can't name him again. <laughs> so let me let me think. Who's doing great music? I love to play, and I feel it's like it should be bigger than it is at the moment. Um, I was just like, yeah, you see, it's not coming straight off because um, one guy just hit this point. His name is Christian Nielsen. And um, but he's in the game for a long, long time, and he released on amazing labels. But now he made it to Solo Moon's um, um, uh, booking agency, and now he's like playing all those great festivals <laughs> and all those great shows. And he's it's well deserved because he's doing since years so many great tracks, and it was a little underrated in my feeling. So that's one name. But of course, he's now at the point already, so he's good. So who else? Maybe I, I just need to click to my to my um, music folder. I just up uh, down like I have those folders, you know, where I get my the promos and stuff. Um, yeah, there's um, there's one girl from um, from Ukraine. Ukraine. Her name is Eight Case. I don't know if you have heard. Eight of Case. Mm -mm. No. Okay. So uh, she's doing great music. I just met her once. Um, at a DJ gig in Berlin at Ritter Butzke when that was the last gig I played before before everything got closed um, because of Corona and yeah I met her there and she's not only a great DJ but also a very very good producer. Awesome! Thank you for those insights. People, go check out those names right now. Yeah. The ones to watch for. Um, yeah. Florian, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before we let you get going? Sorry, once again? Sorry. Oh, is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know before we ah. let you go? So I talked about the album. Yep. <laughs> so first album single is coming soon. Um, it's a collaboration with Kevin Knapp. I don't know if you have heard of him. He's like, he's from San Francisco, like very, very cool guy. And um, yeah, so watch out for, for this release to come up. Awesome. And where can people find out more information about you? Of course, on my Instagram, on my SoundCloud, my Facebook. Yeah, that's like easy to find. Oh, yeah, yes, Ethereum Cruise official. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, go there and then have a look into my content, my stuff. And yeah, I I'm also want to want to give more production tips in the future. That's something I have on my on my list. Yeah. Awesome, Florian. Well, thank you so much for coming on the DJ Sessions presents the virtual sessions. Don't forget, we'd love to follow up with you in six months. Find out what's going on because it's going to be right around that album time release. We'd love to invite you over to the VR nightclub too, and maybe we can collaborate and do a release yeah. party in there or something yeah, for you please. Um, let's be in touch if you yeah, want to if you ever want to get a tour let me know uh hit me up online i'll be more than happy to give you a tour of beta and entry in alt space nice thank you very much also for this great chat like absolutely really enjoyed it every minute you're welcome florian thank you so much yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> bye guys bye and on that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Meta, Instagram, all the places out there. Easiest way to do it is on thedjsessions.com. And don't forget Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play and Apple TV coming up soon. I'm Darren. That's Florian coming in all the way from Hamburg, Germany. And I'm in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington for the virtual sessions. And remember, 
on the DJ sessions, the music never stops.